Let's see. What? How cold is it outside right now? Jeez. 32 degrees. That's about what it is here. 38 here. Got a low of 27 tonight. Sheesh. I can use my porch as a refrigerator. <laughs> I hope you got that as a clip, Ben. What? I, I can use my porch like a refrigerator. That, that's an awesome. That's an awesome outtake right there. I could use my porch as a refrigerator. That was actually pretty. That was actually almost sounded like a crank there, Steve. Yeah, I can do a crank. I just can't do it right now. I've been drinking okay. too much pop, so I have too much sugar in my friggin' mouth. So, okay. But I can do crank. I remember one one way Neil put it was uh, the Shredder and Krang were the perfect married couple. Well, they basically admitted that. The guy who did the voice of Krang said, "Yeah, we were we were being a married couple." Pat Fraley, yeah. yeah. Pat Fraley was the original. He wasn't the only. Right. The, uh, I, the guy in Turtles Forever was damn close. Yeah. I, he even got the little squawks down. It, it was, wow. It's a backward, like, thing in the, the throat. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like a backward belch. <laughs> he goes... Yeah. I watched the OVA. I watched the OVA again. It doesn't get better. It does not get better. Each time you, each time you watch the Turtles OVA, it gets worse. Oh, <laughs> but you know the April was kind of cute. That doesn't help with the Super Saint Turtle. <laughs> I know, and and Chris Moo and Dark Moo and what the hell? <laughs> Have you ever seen the Turtles OVA? No, probably don't want to either. Do I? <laughs> probably not. It's really well animated. I'll give it that. But mm-hmm. but after that, I can't give it any praise at all because it's bad. And then JT had to drop that link of the uh, sexy Irma. Oh, oh God. <laughs> JT is perver- a perverted Canadian like that. Well, yeah, he, he admitted he, he had a thing for Riff Raff's girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, he did. Because Neil was starting to say, yeah, Riff Raff's girlfriend is a major furry. And he was going to say bait. And, and, and JT Fish just thought and said, haughty. <laughs> Oh my god! We have that. We have that episode too, deal. Yeah, I don't remember what it was on, but yeah. <laughs> oh my god! That's that so bad. Yeah, you hear the horror in our voices. <laughs> and then, and then he was talking about how how he was how he's attracted to a tomato. Oh, the girl from Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Yeah. Yeah, he says a total '80s hottie, and Neil says, "Well, the drawing style wasn't good enough for it to be hot. <laughs> it wasn't." <laughs> oh. Yeah, JT is—he's a—he's a great guy, but he's weird. I don't think he's really a furry. I mean, Neil and I have met furries before, and. That's not even close. The Webcast Beacon Network has been covering and promoting creativity and the creative process since 2007, starting with the Webcomic Beacon, a topical webcomics podcast with a jovial bunch of misfits like your local morning radio show. Also, the Webcomic Beacon Newscast, recaps, reviews, and discussions of community and industry news relative to comic creators, especially of digital distribution. Also, the Tropecast, the ever-tangential discussion of literary and visual memes. And finally, Web Fiction World. Before webcomics, there was independent and self-published web-release written fiction and literature. Find this all at webcastbeacon.com. Be sure to grab a master RSS feed or master iTunes feed and not miss a thing. 
Welcome again to Animation Aficionados Crossing Over with Tooncast Beyond. We are continuing our look through the DC animated original movies. And uh, once again, we're joined by my co-host, TV's Mr. Neil. Party pooper. No cake for you. <laughs> and we have with us again the host of Tooncast Beyond, TFG1 Mike. Hello. And with him, his co-host, Steve Megatron. Good day, sir. And we are talking about Batman Under the Red Hood, which is which proves one thing. It's you know, as I said earlier, Bruce Tim is is really good at distilling stuff, and what works here is the I fact that going with this. <laughs> what works here is the fact that he took one of the, the lamest, you know, characters being brought back to life in the lamest ways in the comics, uh, Jason Todd, the second Robin, the character that was the character that was voted to be killed by the fans, <laughs> no less overwhelmingly. And, and there is no Superboy prime punching the fucking walls of reality to bring him back. No, it, it, they made it much darker, much more in line with the Batman mythos and ultimately a much more satisfying story. Yes. And, that that's the beauty of this because because continuity is a hindrance and a joy at the same time and Tim has been around long enough to know what to use and where. Oh yeah. And that's that's the beauty of this movie specifically because this movie makes you understand that the concept of Jason Todd coming back to life inherently by itself isn't flawed. And that's one of the hardest things for someone who has hated Jason Todd as a character like so many other comic book fans hated him, that's one of the hardest things it takes to say is the, the premise of bringing him back isn't flawed. It's it's just it's just the way that the comics did it, obviously, with Superboy Prime punching the walls of reality. That was flawed. <laughs> but this 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 totally shows that if you if you bring it and you tell someone to make it work, it actually can work. You just distill it, take out the other elements. And make it strictly a Batman story, and you got something that's almost hauntingly beautiful. Yeah, this this movie, well, like everybody, even after I saw the trailer to this, and even after I saw what little previews that they were showing online before it got released, they everyone that is a comic book fan was like, "Oh, it's Judd Winnick's work. We're not, you know, we hate it. We don't care." Whatever else, as you just said, you know, Bruce Tim, <laughs> and I swear if you guys use this image again, I will kill you. Bruce <laughs> Tim loves to polish turds. <laughs> no, no, this one, this one doesn't deserve that image because this one actually has removed enough of the Winnick DNA that it doesn't deserve that. Right. And you know, the voice cast is brilliant in this. I mean, I mean, Bruce Greenwood, uh, you know, freaking. Thomas Vale as as Batman. I, and yes, that that's a very old reference, isn't it, guys? Yes, I said this on Twitter and Facebook earlier today when I was wa- earlier this evening when I was watching the movie. Outside, okay, Kevin Conroy is up on his pedestal where he deserves to be. You know, voicing the character nearly twenty twenty five years after the fact. Bruce Greenwood, best Batman ever, outside of Conroy. Bruce Greenwood is the only person at this point in time I want to hear Batman's voice from. I agree with you 100%. It, and 
the, let's talk about the John DiMaggio's Joker. Wow. Yeah, he's he's got his own nice spin to it, and it's it sounds very eerily close to how Hamill would have handled it. Actually, but I think I think there, I think there's a I think there's a much more sinister note there that Hamill can hit definitely, but but it just takes on a completely different role being voiced by John. I think that that's the beauty of it. Yeah. Oh no, but John can pull off a little bit more of a creepy, uh, like he kind of does in a lot of his roles, like it kind of. You know, he he adds that extra element to it, which fits perfectly with this film. Whereas Hamill's wouldn't necessarily fit with this film. I think Hamill would have been able to pull it off, but he didn't really need to. Plus, you know, the tell the big man, I said hello. The only reason why I say I like DiMaggio better in this than I would have liked Hamill is because we've already seen that dark Joker from Hamill. I mean, it would be, if you had got him to do this, it would be the, probably the exact same thing he did with return of the the Joker. Um, and I'm not saying that as a slight against Hamill. I'm not saying that at all. I much prefer because this is a different movie. It's a different universe. Um, you know, this is more of, hate to say this and I know this isn't right, but, to me, this is more of could have been a tie-in between Begins and Dark Knight than Gotham Knight ever was. I know this is its own story and this comes from the comics and all that stuff, but this movie has the feel of the live-action movies to me. Until you have Amazo show up. Oh, God. <laughs> now, the one thing I like... Lasers! About- he has lasers! <laughs> That's the one thing I liked about that scene was NPH, Neil Patrick Harris as Nightwing, and the comedy. I like that about the Nightwing character in the movie. But Neil Patrick Harris actually played Nightwing really well. He did. Considering he plays the comedic role more often than not, and Nightwing is always coming up with quick quips that he throws in there. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it that was a nice choice for uh, that character. Oh, yeah. I especially like the scene where he, where he freaking stabbed the Mazo in the ears. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's because Batman said he has the exact same... Weaknesses as a human. As a human, yeah. Which, I don't know, that's kind of weird to me. That, like, okay, for those of you who, who are listening to this show, I the only Amazo I know is the silver and gold Amazo from Justice League. The original Amazo in the comics looks like an elf, so... <laughs> So there. And uh, in number two, what I like about this is in the comics, they actually said which metahumans that version of Mazo absorbed. So it sort of made the fight with Batman a little bit more unbelievable because it was basically that winking the Batman stuff in the comics. But here they didn't say which ones, just Batman said big ones. Yeah. And that one sort of left it to your imagination. That one, that way you don't have to like roll your eyes and say, come on, Batman shouldn't be able to do blank to uh, to an android that has the powers of Superman. That that way you don't roll your eyes as much. Right. Yeah. And like I said, I just I just love that whole fight because it was just so dynamic and, and Neil Patrick Harris <laughs> with all those quips. I, I just love that. Lasers, he's got lasers. <laughs> oh my god, that was that was that was brilliant, and I especially like the way that they, for anyone who is a casual Batman fan that doesn't know anything about Nightwing, I love the way the thugs explain it. Yeah. So that way, that way, it doesn't stop the movie to show another flashback of the original Dick Grayson doing that. Right. No, the, the thugs know and they explain it. And see, you didn't need that. I mean, the way they explained it, you didn't need a a Nightwing Dick Grayson Robin flashback. You needed the Jason Todd Robin flashbacks. 
I know, and, and any sort of any sort of Dick Grayson Robin flashbacks would have overpowered any of the Jason Todd moments, and yeah. that was that was the right thing to do. Yeah, and another great, you know, Wade Williams as Black Mask. That was creepy. And it, what I love was was his assistant Miss Lee, who didn't do anything except for just standing around and looking pretty. Well, that's what Kelly <laughs> Boo does. So I mean, you know. I'd say okay with that. That is a thumbs up for me. Yeah. The two things that popped out to me just now looking at the BehindTheVoiceActors.com side-by-side cast listing for Batman Under the Red Hood, I did not know this before because I've seen this movie two times uh, just now before we did the recording tonight, and I saw it when it initially came out. I haven't seen it since then. Um, Did not know that Kelly Who – I mean, I I knew she was in it, but it didn't really register with me till tonight – Kelly Who and the young Jason Todd, uh, Vincent Martella. Phineas and Ferb reference, ladies and gentlemen. Vincent Martella is the voice of Phineas from Phineas and Ferb, and Kelly Who voices uh, Stacy from Phineas and Ferb. <laughs> well, actually, the thing is this. Jason Todd was played by three different actors. Right. Alexander Martella, Vincent Martella, and uh, Jensen... Jensen Ackles. Yeah, yeah Jensen from Ackles. Supernatural. So. Yes, I knew and the thing. The thing is this. Uh, the thing is this. Uh, you know, Andrea Romano must have done a really good job of making sure that they all were like on the uh, on the same page because a lot of a lot of the uh, lot a lot of the nuances and the voices made you believe it was the same character growing up. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. that's what you, that's what happens when you have uh, pros doing this craft. Oh yeah. And and you know what I really enjoyed was also uh, was just a lot of the little hints. I mean. I mean, you know, this this Rachel Gould wasn't close to the David Warner one that I love, but was still very classy and still very well played. I don't. I'm not sure if you had okay. Jason Isaacs voices Rach in this. I don't. I think he fits this version of Rach the best because the David Warner version is awesome. It's great. Don't get me wrong, but. Eventually, as that story in the DCAU went on and on and on, he got crazier and more maddening. This one, for this individual movie, you needed a, a voice for Raish that was still that complex, you know, calculating person that Raish al Ghul is, but you didn't need the maddening part of it. Because obviously that's where Jensen Ackles' Jason Todd comes in. In... I think it was a. I think it was a shade better than uh, D. Bradley Baker. Sorry, D. Bradley Baker, but your race needed some work. Which series was he racing? Steve should know this one. Who? D. Bradley Baker was Rachel Ghoul in which series? He was in, in Arkham City. Oh, okay. Yeah, I. He was all right, but there was still something that was left to be desired in this character, though. Rachel was be David Warner. I mean, that's and see, and that's what I picture every time I hear him. Yeah, or something closely resembling that. I something just it never sounds right hearing anything other than David Warner do the voice. Yeah. And what I really liked with this movie though was the action. I mean, some of these action scenes were just nonstop, you know, action movie thriller stuff, and it knew how to slow down just enough to where it, when the action pumped up, pumped up again, like the fight with the cyber ninjas, that was pretty cool. The fight with the cyber ninjas. I can see why this movie's PG 13 at the end. Cause Holy crap. An yeah. eye gouging experience with blood on the wall. 
What about that? What about what well, I love was that scene where the the big one threw that car at Batman and Batman jumped through the door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was so cool. <laughs> God. Um, and I love how Batman used the miniature rockets. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Neil? How do you feel about this one? Um, well, going into it, I really didn't know what to expect. But once it started, I knew exactly where it was going. <laughs> because, because, well, I was, I was starting to get worried that, you know, because it, it's really obvious that the Red Hood is going to be Jason Todd. And I was really worried it was going to be. The, the slow progression of hints. I'm like, okay, I already know, but no, they they really let you know pretty early in the movie. So I I, I really like that that they didn't waste a lot of time with that. And I also like the comic did. Yeah, and I really like the formula between uh, Batman and Nightwing. That just the uh, Batman, uh, you know, being Batman, and uh, you got Nightwing with all the the funny quips. And <laughs> I really liked all that. Yeah. What about yeah. you? What were you gonna say, Ben? Thought well, you're... I also I also like just uh, just that scene that you know they didn't have to show it, but just saying what was in that duffel bag. Oh, yeah. oh, the heads, eight heads in a duffel bag. Yeah. How was that for a Joe Pesci reference? But <laughs> and I also like how. You know, Black Mask is just—he <laughs> just feels like a nobody that wants to be a somebody. And and you know, when when he's sitting with you know John DiMaggio's Joker, and you know Joker says, "Can I have some water, please?" <laughs> and then I'm gonna need some guys. Not these guys; they're kind of dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, when I because when I was watching this, I was getting what the fuck. Okay, edit point on that, Mark. When I was watching this, I was getting screen caps from both this and last week's episode, Crisis on Two Earths. Um, when he, Joker stands up in the prison cell and, and is pointing the gun at Black Mask, I screen cap that and I'm like, hmm, this movie's not for kids because there's no orange cap. <laughs> <laughs> what I also enjoyed was was just the it showed the the flashback of how the Joker was born with the original Red Hood. Red Hood, yeah. Well, they kind of made it a point that you were going to expect to see that in this because they had said in the beginning that, oh, the Red Hood's back. It must be Joker. Well, no, he's locked up. There's no way it's him. So, I mean, I kind of... More motorcycle fetish. Yeah, yeah. Mine was more panache, mater d. Yours is more motorcycle fetish, yeah. (laughs) Um... And I just absolutely love the, you know, circle of life in this movie. Where in the beginning you have Joker beating Jason Todd with a crowbar, and at the end you have Jason Todd beating Joker with a crowbar. <laughs> yeah, the crowbar was an instrumental element of the original Jason Todd's death comic. I mean, yeah, the, when the uh, artist was drawing the Joker going to town and Jason Todd in the original comic. He was venting the frustration of thousands of fans because at that point nobody liked Jason Todd in the comics. <laughs> yeah. uh, Steve, any other thoughts on this one? Um, well, I, I mean, aside from the 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 nice casting choices that they have in here, yeah. um, I, I like the similar but new takes on the the character designs. Oh yeah. 
they gave a more detailed definition, whereas the DCAU stuff is kind of uh, more streamlined and more, you know, more cartoony, whereas this is more, uh, you can see more of their facial expressions, more of the lines in their faces. I mean, there's it, it, there's a lot more detail put into this over previous DC Universe or DC Animated Universe stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this was definitely this was definitely you know much more much more a feature film uh, animation style, and I think it actually worked. And one thing I, I really did enjoy was uh, Talia's little non-speaking cameo. Yeah, um, thank God Rachel was still alive at that point because we are not going to be talking about Out of the Past. Um, Dini wrote that episode. Yes, I know he wrote that episode. Uh, Paul Dini, as much as I love him as a writer, he's a very sick man. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, he he gave Rache what he always wanted. Okay, a woman. let's not go there. Uh, the one thing that really interests me about this film, even, even going into it, if you don't pay attention to the credits at all and you didn't know that it was going to be Bruce Greenwood voicing Batman, the fact that you don't hear Batman's voice for the first good ten minutes of the film... Because he's just riding his motorcycle trying to get to Jason. You don't hear him talk until after the building blew up. Yeah. And I, I really I like like I like that way that they portrayed Batman. He is someone who is silent in his movements. And you know, he's not gonna be sitting there, you know, talking to Alfred on the motorcycle or anything like that. And it's really the you know, it's Raish, you know, doing the exposition of you know, where is he? Is he going to get there in time? No, he's not, you know. So I really, really did enjoy that. And then when, obviously, Batman spoke, I enjoyed it a hell of a lot more. Well, you know, Batman, you know, like Six Shot, you never waste a lot of time talking. I <laughs> <laughs> was well, terrible. Five down is like shooting cyber ducks in a barrel. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we are the IGN replacement crew. Steve, zero to four. Five. Okay, Ben. I'll definitely give this a four and a four as well, a double four because you have to get this and also get one for a f- friend or family member. Neil, I'll give it a four. I give it a four as well. Um, it is on DVD. I, I, I just, the DVD really kind of makes me mad. Uh, I no just, extras. No, 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 it's not even that. It, it It's on single disc, it's on two disc edition, and it's on, uh, uh, I think it's on two disc Blu-ray as well. The problem I had when I bought the thing, it was the first ever Blu-ray I bought because they started doing this thing of, oh, hey, if you get the two disc regular edition, you get all these features, but if you just buy the Blu-ray, you get one more feature that we're not going to put on the regular edition. They put an extra feature on the Blu-ray for this movie about like the history of Robin that wasn't on the two disc regular DVD. And I was like, okay, so I bought this and I thought at the time, because when I bought my, uh, my new tower at the time, my computer, it said that it was equipped for, you know, it has a blue Blu-ray drive in it. It said it was equipped to be able to, you know, show run Blu-rays. Well, didn't realize at the time you had to buy an actual extra cable for it to actually run you know, see it in Blu-ray high def. So I'm like, crap, I just wasted 24 bucks on this Blu-ray for one special feature. That's a little ridiculous. Uh, Was there a short with this one? Wasn't the Green Arrow short on this one? 
or is that? I I believe so. Oh, and I, I think it was. I did not enjoy that short that much. It was it was an okay story with. It didn't really do anything for me because. Oh no no no! Hold on no no! That's the that's the next one. This this the short that was with this was the Jonah Hex short. Oh, I love that one. Thomas Jane <laughs> is Jonah, Hex. Jonah Hex. The the right casting decision, not the <laughs> wrong one. And this in man that madam that evil madam wow yeah yeah that's awesome all right so we're gonna take a break here on tunecast beyond you're gonna hear some ads and we will come back to close the show it's time for intermission boys and girls you can now hear the geekcast radio network while on the go with stitcher smart radio stitcher is a free news and talk mobile app available for your smartphone and when you download stitcher to hear geekcast radio you'll have a chance to win money downloading is quick and easy just find stitcher in the app store during registration, hit the promo code box and enter Geekcast Radio, all one word, to get automatically entered to win $100. The latest episodes of the shows will be waiting for you and your favorites. You'll get access to lots of other amazing shows, too. Always available to you on demand, no syncing. It's Stitcher Smart Radio. Don't forget to enter promo code Geekcast Radio when you register. Movie Week in Review is the GeekCast Radio Network's weekly movie podcast. Steve and Mike take a look back on their favorite films and give you their thoughts. They also bring in co-hosts at times. If you are a movie buff, listen to M-Wire only on GeekCastRadio.com. Hey, I'm Gary. I'm Greg. I'm Chuck. And I'm Justin. Join the four of us every week on the Internet's number one G.I. Joe podcast, What's On Joe Mind. That's right. It's Joe News, reviews, and special guests like you've never heard them before delivered right to your MP3 player. Think of it as Joe Talk meets Sports Talk. And we make fun of Chuck. Right. Hey. We're just kidding, Chuck. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes Chuck makes fun of himself. Right. Hey. It's What's On Joe Mind. Every week on the GeekCast Radio Network, InsidePulse.com, Stitcher Smart Radio, and iTunes. Download and listen today. Can I say something about Transformers? No! 2012 marks the 30th anniversary for Masters of the Universe. We here at the GCRN are celebrating with a brand new series of podcasts. The Powers of Grayskull series will cover every episode of every MOTU cartoon. Yes, even that crappy new adventure stuff. Join Optimus Solo and TFU and Mike as they tell tales of Eternia, discover the myths of Etheria, become masters in space, and finally masters of Grayskull. You can find the Pogs podcasts in iTunes and the web at www.geekcastradio.com. Good journey! We are back here on Tooncast Beyond. All right, Ben, sum it up really quickly. Final thoughts. My final thoughts is, like I said, it just amazes me how how someone could take such a flawed concept and prove that the concept wasn't flawed, it was the execution. And really, you know, Under the Red Hood makes me believe that there could have been a way in the comics to bring back Jason Todd without it being utterly retarded. And this proves that it was just a question of who was doing it, not it was done. Right. So definitely this is one of my favorites. <laughs> uh, Neil, what about you? Final thoughts? Well, like I said, I, I came into it, I didn't know what to expect, and I went away uh, liking it. So, uh, 
you know, I don't really have much else to say. It's got a lot of action, a lot of humor. Uh, go watch it. Steve? Um, I'd have to say it's ultimately my favorite out of all of them now. Yeah. Topping the previous episode, obviously. <laughs> um, between the voice acting, the action, the comedy, I mean, there was... And this movie was dark. Yeah. Which was the great part about it. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's a single scene of daylight. I mean, there may be like one scene where it's daylight, but the rest of it, it's all done at nighttime. That's just perfect. Yeah. Well, it's a Batman story, so, you know. Uh, and And for me... I agree with you guys. It was very well done. The voice cast is great. The action is great. The animation is great. Thank you for joining us here on Tooncast Beyond. There are several ways to get in contact with us or leave feedback for the show. Visit the website, skeetcastradio.com and animationaficionados.com. You can comment on each of our episode posts. Leave the show's feedback in iTunes. Please do this. Follow us on Twitter. The show name there is Tooncast Beyond. Mine is TF2 and Mike. Steve, what is your Twitter? SCP21. Neil. Neil Sama. Ben, what's the AA Twitter? A aficionados. Become a fan on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash geekcast or radio network and facebook.com slash animation aficionados. Call the voicemail line. Tell us the show you're leaving a message for and your name. 502-526-5821. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Tooncast Beyond Animation Aficionados crossover and wish you'll join us next time when we'll be continuing the DC Universe animated movie spotlight with... Superman, Batman, Apocalypse. Uh, the pain already begins. Oh, stop it. <laughs> For now, I am TF2 and Mike with... Cheevies, Mr. Neal. Steve Megatron Phillips. And Ben, the host. Thank you for joining us. Until next time. Good night. Goodbye. No, it's not goodbye. Up next is the conclusion of our video games chat with Kitty Hawk. If you've been following this bonus feature on our DC Animated Movies episodes, then you've probably guessed by now why this version was scrapped. In spite of all the topics we covered, there was no structure to the episode, and we didn't even cover nearly anything that I had wanted to touch upon. You'll hear at the end that in over four hours of recording, we hadn't even discussed consoles. And yes, there is still much more audio from this episode that was cut from each of these segments. I'll probably play some of them in later outtake compilation episodes. For now, enjoy the finale of our not-so-structured first take of the video games special. Oh, uh, let's see. I've gotten Skyward Sword. I have not gotten that yet, should I? What? Should I get Skyward Sword? It looks good. It looks, um, it looks, like, it looks a lot happier than Twilight Princess. Yeah, Twilight Princess got pretty freaking dark. I mean, Zelda was one of the last bosses for crying out loud. I know it was it was it was nice. I, I enjoy going and seeing Dark Link, but I kind of want to have some happy Link time. That's not what was that last uh, that Spirit Tracks game that came out for DS? Yeah, which I buy that game or did I not? I didn't buy that game because I, I I just I've had like all the the handheld Zeldas. Five Swords? Four Swords was pretty good, but I'd have to say, like, uh, since the Oracle, the Oracles, uh, I haven't really liked any of the handheld Zelda games. I really did not like the remake of Link to the Past. What I loved was in in Link to the Past, well, actually in in Link's Awakening, there was actually a mini uh, Mario level in there. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
I love that. Oh man, I played through that recently. I bought it. I bought it for 3DS because I was like, "It's Legend of Zelda: Link to the, Link's Awakening." I am buying this. I do not care how much this is. I love this game. But uh, oh, I should be getting my free GBA game soon for being a Nintendo 3DS ambassador, which is code word for you were stupid and bought it at full price. Yeah. Yeah. But you're getting a pretty good deal on that. I mean, I'm actually getting a pretty good deal. I got ten NES games, and I'll get ten GBA games. So, so I made this point before on on this week in Geek. When the best time to be a Nintendo fan is when they're losing money, because oh, yeah. that's when that's when Nintendo well, will like okay. give you everything. Well, you got to say when Nintendo's not selling very well, because like this yeah. is a new phenomenon with them losing. Like they're not losing what? losing money. They've never had a losing quarter. A new what? Huh? And nothing I was trying to lead into a running joke. Oh, okay. <laughs> because anytime anyone says phenomenon, I go do 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 do. Oh. Oh, jeez. But yeah, uh, yeah, the, the, they've never had a losing quarter, but they, well, unfortunately, they did not foresee that uh, that plat that the platforms would shift over onto cellular networks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest here. iPod Touch is kicking its butt, and it deserves to kick its butt because Nintendo, you should have gotten in on this internet shit a long time ago. I know you're hesitant about that because you lose some control, but but it's you, time to move on. But you do have to remember, uh, there was a cellular video game platform before. Well, yes, but I mean, the like engage. But, but Nintendo could, like, okay, the way that networks work in, in Japan, they could have had a Wi-Fi device by this point that would have, like, done online gaming, and they would have been, it would have been like a touch. But they just always shied away from it, and they do the stupid friend codes, and they just don't trust the Internet. And I understand why, because they're just not good at it. But at some point, you have to, you have to move on. Come on! We're all going the internet. Come on in. But who yeah, here has really bits are fine. But who here has ever handled the engage? I have. I have not. I uh, actually, uh, when they were released, uh, we got one for the store and we played around with it. And I, I, I remember like everyone else in the store was like, "This is gonna be selling like hotcakes." And I remember the first time I had to switch out a cartridge and I had to pull the battery out in order to do that. I that remember thinking, so this is going to fail hard. Because, like, the system was, like, something like, it's like $150, and then the cartridges were, like, $40 each. And I was like, and then you had to have a cell phone service. Oh, and then you had to make sure to get the either the T-Mobile version or the AT&T version. So it was, and it was confusing. I and think there was, there was the whole taco phone thing where you had to hold it. At, yeah. Outside. Yeah. Oh, You're yeah. holding Ta- it wrong. <laughs> Taco phone. I, actually, I do. One of the guys at the store ended up buying and using it as a cell phone. Now there were there's another guy bought one and just kept it as a game system, but he tried to use that thing and it just was terrible. And he, I think he bought the successor as well. And I was like, "You're a fool," but you know. It was it was a nice attempt, but it was not it wasn't what people wanted, which is really I just didn't want a game. I'll go into the app store and buy a game. 
I bought a game. Yay! And I didn't pay for distribution costs or anything like that. I just paid like four bucks. Whereas like Engage was like, oh my god, I gotta shell out some money for this. Engage. Engage. Why did they not get? Why did they not get um Patrick, Patrick Stewart? Stewart. Yeah. I know. I was just like, this writes itself. No, no, no. Can't it was do like- that. The worst design system I've ever seen. Just it was how you how you had to put the cartridge in and I, just where the 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 speaker and the receiver were. That oh I know, god, I know. I just remember like I was the only one who said this thing is going to fail. Everything was in the wrong spot. I know. And the and screen like, was terrible. It was like the wrong shape. But they but it's just Nintendo needs to get on the ball and realize like they have to do a system that is completely internet connected. Otherwise, they're going to lose. Because, like, I can already see, like, maybe not in the next iPhone, but, like, in a in a future iPhone, they're going to have a 3D screen in it. And then what's Nintendo got? I mean... Well, don't I mean, discount will... Nintendo yet, because people keep on doing that, and then they come out with something that's so cheap like the Wii that they... Totally... Oh, yeah, well... I really think the Wii U is actually the right move for them, like a an iPad, i Apple TV competitor. It's like, hey, look at this! It's an Apple TV and a, um and an iPad together for like two hundred and fifty bucks with Mario. With Mario, you know, and I'm going to buy one, of course. But I mean, I can see people doing that because to get the same thing with like an iPad and Apple TV minimum, you're going to be paying about $600 and most of that cost is going to be the iPad. Yeah, I don't know what to think about the Wii U because if you think about what the Wii is, it's kind of this, it's like an anomaly because Nintendo has not led the market since the NES. Yeah. Well, I mean, what they, what they did was they, no, they, 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 they lead the market currently and with the Wii and through and the DS, they have definitely led the market, but the Wii was the, like, this is honestly the last generation of consoles what we're about to see like i think after this you're not really there's only going to be like two consoles maybe and they're probably going to be like set-top boxes yeah well the thing to remember is with the uh with the wii is they took specs that were slightly better than 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 the uh GameCube. Which is all they really need to do if you really think about it. And they just and put motion controller to it and people wrote it off as, oh, this is silly. And then and then the price point came out, $200, and then all of a sudden sold out. Yeah, everyone was over there buying it. It was 250 when it launched, but that was still pretty good because you got, you got a game with the system. Oh my god, that hadn't happened since like the days of the Super Nintendo. I mean, that was like revolutionary. Yeah, it was... It was, it was, yeah, they, they made, they made crazy money. Well, I, re- I remember like when it was coming out, everyone was like poo-pooing it. And I said, no, this is the smartest thing that Nintendo has done in years. This is going to make so much money. And everyone was laughing and saying, no, it doesn't have serious games. And then like, you know, a year later. And, then, saying, uh, and then all of a sudden a new phrase came into the lexicon, casual gamer. Yep. It like. Look, I'm sorry. Now your mom is playing video games, and there's a market for that. There's also a market for your hardcore games. Everyone can be happy. And then, and then there's people who use it as a workout machine. That was, who that, does was that? That, that was a little ridiculous. That Neil, was, Neil, it's true. Yeah, 
how how much of the market actually uses this? Uh, I'm not gonna, it's the same amount of people who get a gym membership and then never go. Yeah, well, I mean, I bought Wii Fit, but I mostly bought Wii Fit as a like a novelty because I mostly bought it so I could have the unit. So you could have this casual market. So you could have the weight platform. Yeah, well, mostly I use it to weigh my dogs. I'm honest about that. Like, I'll pull it out just to see, like, you know, the puppy, like, see how many pounds the puppy has put on and. Okay, it's. Uh, I, I thought I you would I, have. I thought you would have. Uh, you know, your husband's an engineer. I thought he would have done something interesting with the uh, balance board. Well, he thought about it, but he was like, oh, "I don't know. This this is not really cool." Now he's played with the Connect a little bit. Oh, how's he like it? It. He he says it's okay for like the price point. It's pretty good. You know, it's a nice 3D camera, but it's it's definitely like. Thank you, thank you, Microsoft, for giving me this camera that should cost me like five hundred dollars for like a hundred fifty dollars. But I don't know how you're making money off this. And the answer is they're not making money off of it. They are. I I hope that they bring out like a new system, but I don't know if Microsoft has any. Oh wait, they have the seven twenty now, don't they? That's supposed to be coming out. Because, like, the new systems are the 720, the Wii U, and that's it. Like, Sony's not even announcing it, a new system. Well, they have the Vita. Yeah, but Living it's like... Living the Vita Loca. Oh. <sighs> Vita Coco. Uh, no, the, the, the Vita. Oh, my God, the Vita. I'm like, come on, Sony, give up. You had your chance with the PSP. No one cares anymore. The only people who care about the PSP are pirates. people who, well, pirates. People well, who bought part, it of the part, part of the well, problem China, is they should have. They should have. Sony proper should have like told Ericsson, "Thank you, no, a lot sooner," and put in real resources into a real PlayStation phone versus the Xperia Play, which oh. is a is, which is a halfway mark. It doesn't really work right. They should have. They should have actually poured some real resources into it. And made yeah. something really good. Well, when I saw the PSP, when it first came out, I just thought, this is not going to work. Because the kind of people who want this, you know, like, you're going to have to have money in order to own this. At first, at least, it was. Like, they were extremely fragile little things. And they were so expensive. And, like, the biggest the biggest purchasers of these things now are, like, people in China because they are piracy machines. But, like, keeping... Keep the, the, all the redesigns they've done, like the Go, which was just a Mego that they had re, redesigned to be a, a PlayStation, and then you couldn't even play your old games, and then now like the Vita, and I don't even know if like you can can you play the old games with the Vita? I, I don't think so. But like I said, if they actually did the right thing, told you know told Ericsson, thank you, no, we're going to do hmm. our own phone, yeah, and and actually made a PSP backwards compatible and made it at, like a PlayStation Android phone that was, you know, backwards compatible with the PSP, they would yeah. have had a hit. Yeah, but, okay, Vita, Vita cannot use the UMDs. I think it's like, if you have any games, though, that you bought play, over PlayStation Network, you can't. Hmm. But I'm looking at the Vita, and I'm like... It's big. Well, like, okay, if you release, if they had released the Vita uh, four years ago, like maybe maybe even three years ago, I would have said, "Oh my God, that's pretty excellent." But now I've seen an iPhone, I've seen an iPod Touch, I've played with the DS, I've played with the 3DS. 
I'm just looking at the Vita and I'm going, oh, so you so you finally gave me two dual sticks and it's got some touch shit on the back. Whoop the freaking do! <laughs> I don't care. Oh, an old LED screen. Oh, I don't freaking care. I mean, you've you've played with me too much, Sony. Go away. <laughs> like, oh boy. I love. I okay. I I love. I love the PlayStation Two, and then the PS3 has just been a utter disappointment. And the PSP so far has been an utter disappointment. I'm just like wondering, like, when is Sony gonna die? Because oh. like they're on their last legs. Is what I I've heard rumors that there might not be a Sony in a year or two. My whole thing about the uh, about the casual market and the and the uh, I, I love the, the way the whole, Neil the whole, says that disdainably. I really have a lot of disdain for that. For that why? 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 Well, well, I mean, like, honestly, because, why? Because it's it's not. I don't. It's like a marketing term. It's yeah. What, it is. I thought, I thought what the Art whole thing was it was like a Trojan horse to get the to get the console into the homes. Like the parents yeah. were like, "Oh, I can play games too," and yet okay. those games are few and far between. It's like yeah. the parents well, can bowl, and then like. And then the so, kids can nag the parents for real games. I'll argue against that. I'll say, like, okay, look, in the beginning, like... In the beginning, there, there was okay, man. Yes, in the beginning, there was... Okay, if you really want to talk about some marketing uh, shit, like, look at the original NES and the fact that it looks more like a VCR. And it was purposely yes. meant to look like a VCR because it was right after the video game crash which in which everyone bought these video game systems as computers, and then that just never materialized, so people were turned off of video games. It was the and, family yeah. computer. It was the yeah, it was a, family computer. Famicom. Exactly. And like and I think like there were casual games. We just didn't call them casual games because I'd honestly say like lots of puzzle games. Um I'll even argue some adventure games are kind of casual. And I what think I'm, yeah I what I'm saying is that uh when I when I see Wii Sports I'm kinda I kinda look at it and I see Rob. It's well, it's yeah. like okay, here's yeah. here's how we got it into homes, yeah. and then once it's in there, we're gonna put the real games on the store shelves. And... Well, but then there's also which is like... which is smart, but I'm just kind of it, it. It makes Neil well, wretch a little. I understand. I understand that, but like then there's also like then the the app store, which they didn't really harp on casual games. In fact, if you saw the um, the Apple events, they were usually going on about how they had hardcore games, which hardcore is one of my least favorite terms in the, you know, gaming, because it's like, yeah, I can be hardcore about Animal Crossing. So please don't use that term to mean only, I am a Spartan. I am sad and crying under my helmet as I'm shooting aliens. Let me tell you a story about a guy I know. <laughs> this guy's name is Robert. And oh boy, <laughs> Neil's heard a lot of Robert stories already. So he, this is serious shit. No, not that Robert. Different Robert. Oh, oh. no, no, no. Rob is okay. Rob is cool. Oh. Robert is someone else entirely. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Robert's the guy I got the job at the pecan store, and that's what that's his whole lifelong ambition is just just sit there and work there all day. Um, no, Robert is Robert played Oblivion. Oh, oh God, it just hurts to remember. I, I I could visit him like three times in a six month period, and he's playing Oblivion, and he's in the same goddamn cave. <laughs> nice. 
and I and heard you're not a little just talking about his gaming room. What? And you're not just talking about the, the no. room in which he plays games. No. Man. Wow. So whenever I hear hardcore gamer, well, I just that's the... what I picture. And, well, and I it think the hardcore. Me. When I think of hardcore gamers, I'm thinking of the people I knew that played Counter Strike all freaking day. Like oh, that was all uh, they did. Like they would get, they were crazy about. Like, but I understand the the hatred against casual gamers. But I'm actually like, I and I actually liked that they brought in a lot of gamers because, like, have you noticed that there hasn't been any like really big video games or corrupting the youth stories in a long time? Well, Jack Thompson's just sort of like taking well, a break. He he went he went away, but I'm just yeah. saying like you don't hear people saying like video games are evil. That's because I see I see boomers walking around with Angry Bird T-shirts, and I'm like, and other people are thinking, oh my god, this is horrible, and I'm I'm thinking, no, this is great because now they think it's legitimate. Now I don't have to listen to them talk about how it's corrupting the youth. And how it's turning everyone into mush heads anymore? Because like that was that was an annoying thing to listen to. Jack Thompson didn't take a break. Somebody told him to take a break. Nah, You're on permanent yeah, vacation, well, pal. That well, that guy actually he he was he was practicing law in Alabama that he didn't ha- he didn't have he didn't have the correct you know certification or whatever they have you know bar uh, certification. And I think he had had his license like removed. Then he had his license removed in Florida because of that. Because I remember I was working at GameStop when the incident in Florence happened, where the kid had had maybe mentioned it's not really clear if he actually did or not. Said that he had played San Andreas and gotten the idea of like committing a crime. And while he was at the police, I don't remember what he did, but I do remember when he got to the police station. The cop didn't have his gun secured in the holster, and the kid was able to grab the gun and shoot the cop. And I think he shot another one, too. And that whole incident started the whole Grand Theft Auto was corrupting the youth, and Jack Thompson came forward and said he was going to, like, represent the family of the cop who got shot. But then it was found out that he didn't actually have, like, bar certification in Alabama, and because of this, he lost his certification in Florida. Well, let me just say outright, if you think that playing a first-person shooter teaches you how to shoot a gun, let me yeah, just tell you one thing, you're an idiot. Well, yeah. it, it, it's just like, I always love how they, they demonize video games, but it's like, okay, like let's be honest here. I think some of the stuff you hear on cable news incites people more than video games. That's and, true, but I just always I, that myth where they say it's murder, it, it's yeah, kill, killing it simulators. It, it, it no, it's a joke. It's anyone who anybody here shot a real gun in this room other than me. No, I've shot a real gun. Yeah. Okay, and you played some first-person shooters. Would you yeah. say that first-person shooters trained you how to aim? No, if any, like I, I think what it mostly the, they're trying to say is it's desensitizing them, which. I'm sorry, turn on TV, just just turn on, like, TV, and you'll see, like, somebody get shot. Now, you might not see blood, but, like, I mean, TV's full of violence and stuff like that. Or, like, even, like, we glorify, like, war violence, and then we say, oh, but when it's in a video game, like, it's not cool. Well, part but of you the don't thing is it, that... Like I said, you don't hear it as much anymore, because I think it's because everyone is now playing video games. Well... 
one thing I have to complain about about video games now is the removal of the point systems and the life systems. It's basically you're not being penalized anymore or rewarded anymore. Yeah. Right. Wait. It, 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 it's a sign of this. Everybody gets a tro- trophy generation. Yeah. There's well, your casual oh. market then. Well, uh, I never said it was the casual market was a good thing. I just said that that's what happened. X, Xbox, <laughs> Xbox began this whole freaking let's make it. E-. Well, actually, the easy thing had always been there. But I remember when like they released some of the you know old Sega games like uh, Crazy Taxi and Jet Set Radio for uh, for Xbox. They made them so easy. And like that's another. Yeah, you're right. New games like where you you die and you're just sent back to the beginning of the level. You don't have lives or anything. And there's no points for score or anything. Well, I well, I could do without the points. I mean, once once well, games yeah, moved point, out of the arcades, points yeah, became superfluous. Points, points are not racking rights to friends. But that that's called achieve. That's now achievements. Sorry, we now do achievements. Uh, well, you know what? They give you achievements for finishing the tutorial. They give you achievements for stepping one step. They give you achievements for taking a bathroom break. I I'm playing oh. mage. I played my, mage gauntlet for iPhone. And one of the achievements in there is if you smash enough barrels, because there's nothing in the barrels, they're just there, uh, it gives you an achievement that says, by damn, I'll find those rupees. And you know what? The achievement system is kind of, is kind of based off the fact that gamers, would, would, gamers didn't use the point system, yeah. the Cockwave, anymore. They were doing it by, by uh, making up their own achievements, like, yeah, you know, like finishing the game quickly and stuff like that. Yeah, screenshotting it, putting it on the Internet. At least now they can sort of corral you. Into yeah, they, can, they, can just have a, they can just have a leaderboard or their, or their dashboard yeah. and show it off to their friends or send it, send it to them through their Xbox and stuff. Exactly, yeah. So, speed runs, for crying out loud. But that's, that's how they measure up now. But... Tool-assisted speed runs are not true speed runs. I'm, no, sorry, no. But the, I'm sorry, but that's like saying I, I was able to beat this game with a game genie. No, I'm, I'm sorry. Which is, which is only impressive if you're playing Battletoads. Nah. <laughs> well, there are people, there are gods who can get through Battletoads. Fuck that game. I hate that game. That game is, that game is fucking hard. And, and there's tons of, the, like, that's another thing. Like, games used to be hard, but that was before they wanted you to buy, like, 20 games per year. Yeah, it's like like I said. I saw a tool assisted Mario run, and I'm like, how am I supposed to be impressed by this? They they pause every half second to make sure they're they're not one pixel off. Oh and, my! And, and this is this is bullshit. Why am I supposed to be impressed by this? Show me a guy who could do this in real time with an old fashioned. I I think I'll because be it's perfection, perhaps like they're going for that. But like, I don't care about that. Oh man! Now one of the coolest uh, uh, game hacks I ever saw was someone hacked the Super Mario World. Mm. To play a Japanese medley of all these anime themes. Oh yeah. Oh oh oh. Niko Niko Doga. Niko Niko Doga. Uh, Kami something or other. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. That's one of my. That's one of my favorite. Like one of those compilation songs. Da da da. Yeah. It's, yeah. We gotta find that now. Yeah. That was like that was from like that idol maker game was And then it yeah, it just keeps going for And then and then after that they did they did a song from uh from uh from uh Super Mario RPG. Oh and they also they also and then and then uh and then uh 
and then the Armored Alchemist, and the, yeah. I, I used to I, be able to it, list the whole thing. Yeah, it, it, and then like they also sing the uh, Japanese national anthem to at the um, end. Yeah, to final the Final Fantasy Four intro. Yeah, that's just like my favorite part of the whole song because I was like, that is that is ridiculously awesome, and I wish that was actually their anthem. But you know, <laughs> well, actually, uh, Uematsu himself actually said that maybe Mario bro- the Mario Brothers um, theme should be the national anthem of Japan because you know their anthem is considered kind of controversial in that it's about the emperor, but. Hey, let's update it. Let's make it about Mario. There's actually lyrics to that song. Yeah, it's a yeah. Changes swing your arms from side to side. Uh, no, no. Uh, <laughs> they did it for the big band of love. They did a. They did. There's like a version where a Japanese woman is singing it, and it's pretty cute. Oh, that reminds me. Uh, do you remember? They still do this, by the way. Concert events for video music orchestrated. Yeah. Tommy oh man, actually one of the song one of the songs I sent to Neil um is uh the Metroid intro theme that was done by some friends of mine. I uh, would I would watch that. I would not watch the, the music of Final Fantasy orchestrated live. No, I would not go there. Well, uh I wanted to go to what they went did one with Yo- Yoko Kano did one in Japan that was really excellent. And then then when they were doing the big band Stuff with Nintendo that was I've seen that and that was excellent. I would go to a Zelda song music concert, but and they're actually to... I think doing one. That's what I mean. I would go to that one. I would not go to the Final Fantasy one because there's only one good Final Fantasy song out of all those songs, and uh, they won't play it. I might go to the Final Fantasy one. I would really want to go to like a Nintendo one or like if there was a Sega one, I'd definitely go to that. Especially if they had a bunch of early. Michael Jackson inspired Sonic music. Yeah, Neil was telling me about that. Yeah, uh, actually, I think I gave you Space Queens, which is I think inspired by J- Michael Jackson because Michael Jackson actually did a few of the songs for Sonic. Yeah, that's right, Sonic Three and Knuckles, right? Yep, because he uh, he was a big video gamer. Mm. So, who here actually played one of the cartridges of uh, Moonwalker that had? thriller in it i Not actually me. didn't have that no okay i think we sort of wore through uh neil is this two epic links i think so yeah right. I'm, I'm i was about to say oh my god i did not realize yeah it's 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 pumpkin it's season video, it's it's video games i i'll keep talking no i i, I probably should get off i i have to i got stuff to do tomorrow but yeah, I got I got to go to the range tomorrow and go shooting. So. Oh man, fun! Yep. No, I'm not going to do that. That something that fun, but that is pretty excellent. Yep, that's that's my weekend. Yeah, so far this this is our video game special. It is jam packed full of you know a lot of a lot of diversions, but we sort of kept right on video games no matter what. You know. Well, I mean, it's video games that meander through everything and. Everything eventually becomes a video game. Even movies, they're based on video games. Like Street Fighter, the movie. The game. <laughs> Epic. Epic. Yes. JT did not believe this existed. Oh, my God. I have a copy of it. it is... I, I, I know. It's just the, you know, he was like, you shouldn't be Ben. I'm like, no. No, it exists. It is excellent. So go play it if you want to play something horrible. A Capcom game made into a movie made into an Acclaim game. 
Oh, anyway, let's leave it at that. Yeah, but uh, let's wrap this up. Uh, yeah. This, like I said, this was our video game special, and I hope you enjoyed it. We might do a more structured uh, video game episode later on, or video or cartoons based off video games. Uh, what do you say about that, Neil? Sure. We didn't really get to talk much about the consoles themselves. Oh, yeah, that's that. true. We didn't. I had my I had my list of consoles that. I... Well, we could always do a console only episode where we try to talk about the games themselves a little less. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I I can we can do that. I can. We could actually try to get Ben Heck on that one. Ooh. Oh oh, um, I can get my. I can talk to about the uh, the console that my husband and I made uh, for one of his classes. It's a fake console. That he had his students uh, make compilers for, and the hilarious thing is, is that we made fake websites about the uh, the console to make them think it was real. Oh, you know what I always wanted to do? I always wanted, if I had all this money laying around, I always wanted to like make a like a, a game console that's like, oh, it can only play this one CD, but you know, say <laughs> that's the only one that's officially supported. But if you stick any other game CDs in there, it'll just work anyways. Oh, they make something be. like that. It was called the M2. Yeah. Oh. The M2. Well, remember that it was like it was like oh, the yeah. follow up to the 3DO. Yeah, I think yeah. there was only one game that it was no, never there, officially released. There was there was D, and then there was a uh, a Speed Racer game, and then um, there was one other game, and I've seen the demos for them. But yeah, that 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 whole thing. The guy who's in charge of that project got sent to a fish cannery by Moxichita because they were like, "We lost so much money off of the 3DO. You're going to a fish cannery." Damn, yeah, they don't fuck around. Yeah, well, I mean, the 3DO was a was a wonderful system. It made people tons of money, and by that I mean none. And somebody got sent to a fish cannery. <laughs> yes, yeah, so that that's the Japanese version of sending someone to Siberia. Yeah, we're not going to fire you, but we're going to create a fish cannery uh, department just for you. No, actually, they have a fish cannery because in Japan. Lots of companies have like side businesses, like you know, I know it, it's yeah, it's hilarious because you know you'll find out they got a fish fish cannery. Why do they have a fish cannery, Mister like, Spockalo? You know, like uh, what was it? The light bulb and the, the fish yeah together and yeah, and that. And, yeah, like Electric Works and a fish cannery. We're, we're, we're making a we're making a soap product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, anyway, but anyway. <laughs> Okay, let's. I guess we're wrapping this up. Yeah, it's. Uh, stay tuned because we're going to have so many more episodes up ahead. And uh, what, what's up? What's up next week, Neil? Uh, I don't know yet because uh, well, we we might have a commentary. I don't know which one. We might have the pony episode, but the other guest keeps stalling. It's like I don't want to do it without her, but you know, sooner, sooner or later we got to like go through with it. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, uh, this is Ben. And TV Smith Neil. And Kitty Hawk of SGVY.com. Visit it for sexy fun. And we're saying goodnight. Night. <laughs> Night.